The music included in the following episode is presented for the purposes of analysis, critique, and review. Please check show notes to see where you can legally purchase and download or stream the music included and support the artists. The following segment discusses consumption of certain compounds that are illegal to possess in many parts of the world. This is not an endorsement of drug use. Follow all your state and national laws with regards to the possession of drugs of all kinds. Listener discretion is advised. (sighs) Yeah, they're having me do this too. So welcome to Keep Your Slightly Larger Hat On. Bits and bobs the boys couldn't quite squeeze into just one hat. Where we're going, who the hell knows. But here it comes. So enjoy. My Three Songs Starring Andrew Scott so these are my three songs, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you in the shin, Mark, a little bit uh, with your your old uh, uh, admonition to me that uh, most uh, modern digital and synthesizer music is Android music um, <laughs> from Jupiter. Yeah, from Jupiter. I keep on forgetting the planet. My, my bad. My bad. Um, so these are three songs that I chose that are quite often in my playlist. I hadn't heard them in a while. Uh, just because I had, I, I, one of those people that I kind of go away for a while and then come back depending upon my playlists. Um, the other thing is that I, I finally, I, I had been with Pandora for 10 years and the only reason why I'd kept on paying per paying for Pandora is because I had such deeply curated playlists. I finally found a service online that grabs your Pandora playlist and turns it into Spotify playlists. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. yeah. It, is. it cost me like fifteen bucks, but for as I mean, for as much as I had laid out and curated, it was worth a fifteen dollar one time in order to jump ship. Um, because Spotify streams much better in my house than Pandora does. Pandora for some reason is just I don't know. They they haven't they haven't kept up the maintenance on the platform well enough. They just kind of know that Spotify's coming for them and they're just well, whatever. So um uh, but, uh, let me quick, where's my thing? Here it is. So, um, these three songs actually are also all related because, uh, all the artists were connected to each other at one point in time. Um, the first one is a guy named Simon Posford. He was a DJ in England. He's since moved and he, I believe, no, he, uh, he's still in England, but he has, he came out with a a musical moniker, a band name called Spongle. And Spongle is, uh, all three of these songs are music to take drugs by. That's what they're engineered for. And this, yeah, this first one is called Dorset Perception. And I'm just going to start playing it. This is when I talk about modern digital music, this is what I talk about.
you can hear them having fun in the production studio, right. layering the sucker up. Yeah. And now it gets weird. Okay, that is awesome. <laughs> you got to learn to trust me. Oh, I, I do, Andrew, implicitly. Yeah, and this just goes on and on like this. And, uh, Dig it. Yeah. of course, I love the name of this because it's called Dorset Perception. He lived in, in England, so in Dorset. Dorset, England, but, of course, mm-hmm. it's a reference to Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. Right, and that's right. just the, that's the deep ass kind of reference that I I adore. Um, you know, it's it's got a bit of a Les Claypool does flamenco kind it, of it feel. It does, and Simon is a very accomplished guitar player himself. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> the level of engineering as as an old second engineer and studio rat it's just like shut the fucking front door you know just the 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 sequencing alone yeah yeah it must have been and when i yeah that's what and i will say this i will completely cop to this and we might just have to use this segment as is uh the the first time i heard this track i was on the first tab of acid that i'd taken in over 15 years and I lost my fucking Getting mind. Getting reacquainted. <laughs> um, yeah, Simon's amazing, so I'll drop that out. So now the next track, Simon runs a record label called Twisted. And um, Twisted's known for you know digital synth-type music or sampled-type music, things like this. And one of the artists that he has on his label is a guy named Benji Vaughn. And Benji Vaughn is a producer who operates under the name Prometheus. And they got together and they had done a bunch of very, very digital things before. But um, they decided to put together more of an organic band, a band band but that used a lot of digitally influenced and digitally manipulated sounds. And this is the project that they came out with called Younger Brother. Uh, did two albums. Both of them are just three albums, excuse me. The second, the first one is very, very digital. The second and third ones are very organic. And this is a track called Ribbon on a Branch. And it's very kind of shoegazy type song which i and i love shoegaze as a genre so siga Rus, uh bands like that but this track um means a lot to me personally it's one of the few that when i die at my whatever winds up happening uh you know at my funeral pyre uh one of the tracks that gets played is uh the grateful dead ripple but another one of them is is this um, and I'll tell you tell you why in a second, but but the the air and the ambience of this recording, and how this m- moves and flows. Christmas. 
And I'm, I'm really big on how he mixed the vocals, where they're almost barely there. There's a weird after effect of shadow facts in here, isn't there? Oh, sh- good call. Yes. Mm-hmm. I gave you shit about this, Andrew, but I'm, you know, I'm in the tank for atmosphere. I know you space are. Space music, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, uh, this is kind of, it's, it's really reminiscent in, in some ways. And yeah. one of the, one of the most touching things that ever happened for me with regard to this song is after my kid got back from California and got clean um, I was I had introduced her to this band and this music she since she has a they excuse me have a a, a great uh, musical lexicon themselves but they were they texted me in the middle of the night which normally is like you know the here's some more wait yeah so it's it's so thick but anyways they texted me saying just wanted to let you know i'm walking back home from a party i took a tab and I just wanted to say I'm listening to Ribbon on a Branch as I walk over the Hawthorne Bridge, and it's raining and it's misty. <laughs> and I just wanted you to know how much I love you, and I'm crying. Oh, nice. And yes, so it was really sweet. Um, so that's that. Um, but the third song is, in my opinion, and I said this, in my opinion, this song is one of the greatest pieces of emotive music ever recorded period end stop i will stack this up against anybody or anything um and this guy is a guy named ott ott and he was on the twisted label uh and this is from his second album and uh ott is great because most of his song titles are word plays on very nerdy British references particularly he's got one album where almost all the songs are derivatives of the names of Monty Python sketches um, like uh, Owl Chasing Time uh, Someday I Wish to Have the, the uh, Someday I Wish to Have the Time uh, with, and they're they're you know they're all Monty Python references, but this is a track called "Smoked Glass and Chrome," and if you thought the other stuff that I played for you was layered, this song is just like a musical orgasm. The way the bass line moves on this. And I'm glad you guys all have ears in. And now you get this. 
right, Mark? That's exactly what you do with the first time you hear this is holy shit. That that gives me a bit of an Ofrahaza sort of feel. I'll give you I'll I mean, give obviously you that. I'll the give language, you that. but yeah. Yeah. But it's this languid vocal line. And yeah. then it's And also, close to mind, uh, Strange Cargo 3 by William Orbit. Oh, sure. Which, by the way, is one of my favorite electronica albums of all time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I will completely and utterly cop. I will completely and utterly cop to the fact that taking the right amount of the right drug with these pieces of music is a truly transformative spiritual experience. I've, I've known people, I've seriously, I've curated two or three, no, actually about four hours worth of music, particularly to take MDMA to. And I've given that those mixes to friends of mine who have done this and literally uh, one of the biggest things that ever happened is uh, a a very dear friend of mine whom is no longer in the country but um, did this and got back to me and said thank you I was literally contemplating suicide tomorrow and you stopped that and I was like, I didn't stop it. You stopped it because you were able to see the beauty again. Sometimes your eyes just get clouded over. Um, you, 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 yeah, you threw a lifeline. Exactly. And again, and was... a lot of it, you know, when it comes to things like this, particularly with my shamanic practice, there's a, a, a very old shamanic wisdom tradition of we get blinded and sometimes all you need is for somebody to come and rub their hand over your eyes and clear your sight again Mm -hmm. and just remind you of what there is to see um but yeah like i say laying here swimming in this kind of stuff forget about it man i'm done i'm i'm good for i'm good for fucking weeks at a time and it's yeah a big deal you know back in the ancient days before all this electronica occurred um, and when I was still, uh, <clears throat> I had a brief and intense relationship <laughs> with psychotropic, uh, substances, but, um, you know, it was, free, it was weird. Um, cause this is really, uh, Black Sabbath one, Led Zeppelin one, two, three t- tied days, right? Mm-hmm. Which would be, you would think that would be like the, the way to go. And it was really interesting to, um, f- my own experience was that, that, uh, Bach. Yeah. No, we talked about that. That's what our Did bonus we? piece was. Yeah. And that's, and, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. And it's not exclusive to a genre of music. Yeah, um, it's so interesting. It, it's in my opinion. Has anybody, has anybody written up a curation of, of, you know, it's like, I, I really loved Pollen's book about this stuff. Yeah. Right? That was a, because that was a great book. And, it was, it was, and he's such a good writer, but it's like, you know, you've, you've been neck deep in this because you, I know, remember you can out yourself here as, as really looking into the studies 
Yeah. Which are finally being released now on the use of MDMA. Thank for you, Matt. Thank shit, you, right? Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. <sighs> um, this is now it's like hit the, everybody's going, oh, yeah. yeah MDMA, like, is, MDMA has been listed as a breakthrough medication. and, and <sighs> Wasn't so, that the original function, though? I mean, that was what they were originally developing it for? Here, here's the thing. Okay, well, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we're into the show now. Well, keep your hat on, right? <laughs> um, MDMA, there's still a little bit of argument over what it was actually developed for. The hmm. truth mm-hmm. of the matter is, is that it was actually developed for no reason whatsoever. It was an <laughs> accidental byproduct discovery. And oh, it huh. was originally uh, it was originally first synthesized back in 19... I want to say 1924 oh, or 25. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, what the original pharmacological aim was, was to, as far as I recall, um, it was to find a way to stave bleeding locally. They were actually looking <sighs> to uh, use it as a local topical um, huh. because it has a lot of vasoconstricting capabilities nobody tried it nobody really tried it it the formulation was shelved it was initially developed by merck like all things were it was either back in the day it was either merck or bayer you know um i guess that's true yeah. and uh it was shelved in about 1972 <laughs> right on i remember when it hit the market yeah 1972 <laughs> a a pharmacist master's or phd researcher rediscovered it and resynthesized it and Mm. tested it at like a 10 milligram and felt a little bit of stimulation and that was it thought it was interesting but in about 1974 there was a guy named alexander shulgin and shulgin made his fame and his money by developing a an herbicide for Dow Chemical. And it was a very, very effective and popular herbicide. And when you are a commercial chemist, when you do something like that, what you get rewarded by is the company comes and says, all right, you're making us a shit ton of cash. What do you want for, what do you want for us now? What do you want us to give you? Uh, free reign, go for it. Pick what you want oh, to research wow. yeah. and go for it. And Shulgin, number one, Shulgin was a very straight-edge guy at the time. But he was very interested in, after having, then this is no surprise to anybody here, after having a transformative mescaline experience. Oh, yes, yes. He was just like, I want to study pharmacology. I want ah. to start working on things that work on the brain and and provide these intense transformative experiences. And so he was, I believe, acting as a mentor to this other chemist. This other chemist hmm. came to him and said, look, there's this, there's this compound that I resynthesized, and I'm interested in it, but I don't know what direction to take. It seems to have very little effect. So Shulgin reformulated it, <clears throat> and it's methylene dioxymethamphetamine. And, of course, you got the methamphetamine right baked into the name. But one of the things that Shulgin 
made a decision very early on was that mm. I am going to test all these things. I'm going to assay all these things on myself first. Hmm. And <laughs> he did. That's a good job. <laughs> wait for it. Or a dangerous one. Oh, go ahead. Go on. Yeah. So he did so with, with MDMA. And MDMA, most people who've ever taken it will tell you that if you undershoot, it's actually mm. not pleasant. It's very jittery. Um, it amplifies anxiety. Uh, mm. Standard dosage for MDMA is 2.2 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So the average person you're talking about between 120 to 125 milligrams of an effective dose. The first time he took it, he only took about 70 milligrams and just mm. was just like, this is awful. This is terrible. What that? Um, yeah. But then the second time he did it, he was just like he was doing an assay. So he was titrating up. And it was, without question, the most transformative experience of his life. He was the very first person to roll effectively on MDMA. And mm -hmm. the, what he said of it, and uh, Shulgin famously wrote two books. One of them is called PCAL, and the other one is called TCAL. And, oh, PCAL, I remember Yeah, I, I, I pointed you to that many, many years did, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, because what w w PCAL stands for phenethylamines I have known and loved. And the other one is TCAL, which is tryptamines I have known and loved. Because those are really the two spheres of research he was doing. Phenethylamines, so they're things like stimulants, um, uh, things like uh, MDMA, MDA, um, 2CB compounds like that. Tryptamines, of course, the most famous tryptamines are things like psilocybin and LSD. But um, one of the things that he did in the book, the book is brilliantly written because it is one half of it is a story written in two voices. The first voice is his and it gives his backstory and it talks about the discovery of MDMA and all this stuff. But it also talks about him meeting his second wife. And his second wife was a therapist and a researcher. And so chapter by chapter, the voice switches back and forth between the two of them. And she talks about him introducing those things to her. Um, uh, and Al Shulgin is just one of those people uh, that I, I just want to hug and never let go of. Um, or Ann Shulgin, excuse, excuse me. But uh, the second half of the book is all his notes, his lab notes, and the recipes wow. for making these compounds. <laughs> because he felt wow. he did not like being a gatekeeper. He believed unilaterally in scientific research and intellectual freedom. And he was just like, if I don't publish these, people are going to try to figure them out. And in doing mm -hmm. so, people will guaranteed die. So I feel yeah. it's incumbent upon me as a scientist to at least put out my research so that if invariably people are going to pursue these things, at least they will have the information to do so safely. But mm -hmm. when he did his MDMA research, the way he wrote it up was, I and I should go grab the book behind me, but I'm not going to. He, uh, he was living, of course... <clears throat> in Northern California, like you do. And he, uh, he was just, he, the way he wrote it was, I turned, I turned and looked at the mountains and they looked back at me and I cowered in fear until I felt them call to me with their majesty. 
I am finally free. I am finally home. And it, it was just wonderfully poetic. And there's a lot of humor mm. in the books, too. Mm. But the combination of music and drugs, for me, is one of the greatest joys yeah. of my life. Uh, and it's sure. one of those things where, yeah, when you talk to me, Mark, about, you know, taking a tab and the first time you ever heard, you know, um, and, and for me, when it comes to Bach, it's always uh, one of the uh, one of the canons. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. In- interestingly, I remember being on acid once and hearing the second Brandenburg mm-hmm. and I went. This is the most self-absorbed thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, <laughs> arguably, you but, could say that about but yeah, a lot. For, um, me was, yeah, for me, it was Glenn Gould and the Goldberg variations, I think, at ooh, the time. So. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Which is simple and raw. And it was the fugue structure. And it was like, you know, I had that experience where I could actually see the music. You know, there was that kinesthesia. Yeah, the synesthesia things, especially with <laughs> something uh, like a fugue where everything is moving against everything else in this beautiful yeah. sonic clockwork mm. fashion. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it gives me warm gushies just thinking about well, it. Well, what I was going to ask you, you know, is, I, and I, I don't know about this, but but uh, I wondered whether anyone has has sort of curated, um, you know, uh, tasting options. So you, know, you have your your table of drug options. Have you done this with music that that, that goes with it? This is like pairing wine, right? Uh, with it the, it the absolutely right. is. Okay. It absolutely is, and I'm well, glad that the damn you coffee the- table book for this. This is this is something that uh, it's going to be released. In a, it's going to be released this- in a three CD set. It's- <laughs> But yeah, I've got uh, and and actually, I will uh, I will make it available to you guys because one of the things that oh, I generally argue yeah. is that drugs are the complement; they're not necessary. If things are properly mixed together, and this is Andy the DJ talking, if yeah. things are properly mixed together, the drugs are only sprinkles on top. It sh- yeah. the music should stand by itself, and there really is a great art to. Properly mixing music together, um, taking into oh, consideration sure. key, Isn't time signature, yeah. all that stuff, you know, the vibe of yeah. one song moving into another. And at one point in time, back about, oh gosh, it's going to be uh, 20 years ago now, I was actually in talks with a record label in Germany to release some of my mixes. Nothing came of it because essentially they wanted all my artistic input and then wouldn't give me anything. With no money. Really yeah. no money. It's an opportunity yeah, for you to end. show off exactly. your skills. I was just going to say, it's for <laughs> the exposure. It's the exposure, man. And I was like, no, exposure is you shaking your dick in my face. That's exposure. Wow. I don't need that. Yeah, I... I, I can't buy wow. food with exposure. <laughs> exactly. Wow. You know, oddly enough, my creditors don't really care about the amount of exposure I have in the bank. It's fascinating. There's no... There's no yeah. Way. Well, that certainly was more stuff, I guess. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network in conjunction with PodSquadPDX.com. If you've got ideas for the show, feel free to drop us a line at TalkBack at KYHOPodcast.com. And yeah, as always, again, don't forget to like, click, subscribe, etc., etc., blah, 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 blah. You know the deal, but it really does help us out. So, so do it. I'm your announcer, Michael Brumage, And I am so not responsible. Until next time, for Rob, Chris, Dr. Mark, and of course, Andy, 
keep your head on. We may end up miles from here again. NBBN, the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.